Everybody, welcome to another episode of Like a Street Photography Collective. I'm Ricky, and today's guest is Michael Meadows. So once again, thank you for your time, giving the listeners something to listen to. I know it was busy. We've been planning this episode for quite some time. We finally get into it. And yeah, please introduce yourself, where you at, where you've been, what you do, anything you like the world to know. Yeah, sure. I'm Michael Meadows. I am in San Antonio, Texas right now. Uh, what do I do? I'm a creative at heart, but right now I run a creative studio called Two Point Grits uh, with one of my uh, one of my closest friends. And um, yeah, you know, I love all things creative. I love all things design. I love photography. I love the art of filmmaking, um, and I, I thoroughly enjoy the creative process. So. Yeah, you know, so this this is uh, something I've been looking forward to, Ricky. It's been, it's been a long time coming. I feel like since November or so. So I'm glad I'm glad we finally uh, were able to connect and make this happen, man. Oh yeah, no worries. I do appreciate it. I know busy schedules over there. I like the name of your business, so you're gonna have to explain that one before we go in a little more. <laughs> That one about. Yeah, so <clears throat> yeah, so our business name is called Fufu and Grits, and um, I guess before we talk about that, so our company name was initially called Good Juju, <laughs> um, and so last year in the summer we went to trade market because we were looking to kind of like fully launch. We've been working with some pretty big clients in the shadows, and we wanted to trademark the name and do all the things, and we ran into some trademark issues. And got hit with a cease and desist. And, like, you know, so we were like, we could fight it in litigation and spend lots of money and maybe win and get to keep the name, or we just change the name. Uh, so we decided to change the name uh, and we changed it to Poof and Grits. We came up with like a thousand different names, but uh, we're a creative studio that focuses on uh, kind of multicultural storytelling. Um, and most of us uh, that uh, that uh, founded the company were either African or African American, and so uh, one thing that we, the conversations that we have internally, is kind of like the uh, the duality and the the differences and the similarities between like Africans and African Americans, and so Af- uh, uh, a food that's very native to most of West Africa is fufu, which is like a grounded, uh, it's like a pounded yam. Uh, that people eat with like a stew by hand. And uh, most uh, African-Americans like in America and and even in like European countries uh, are pretty familiar with grits. And grits is like a a, a cornmeal, grain porridge uh, style uh, type of food. So, which is really popular, especially in like Southern, in like Southern America. So uh, it's kind of just a, it's just a nod to to the culture. It's a nod to the differences, and it's also a nod to the similarities uh, of of uh, kind of like a, a multicultural Black American, African American um, experience. And so uh, that's something that we uh, we all kind of like really wear proudly, and we're really looking forward to once we're kind of done uh, fully launching because we're still in the middle of finalizing our rebrand. Uh, kind of like telling those stories um, and and highlighting people uh, in those communities. Okay. Well, that's really cool. I'm not going to lie. Trademarking is no joke. 
not easy. I tried doing no. So I'm t- I'm a business management major, and I met somebody here in Okinawa, and they wanted to start their own line for a project they're working on, and me being very motivated to help out people and learn new things, I decided I wanted to start kind of putting use to my business management degree. I don't got yet, but I will have it soon. And I was like, you should let me work for you. So coming up with the ideas for the project, I was like, you need to trademark this. And we start doing the research for trademarking, got all the costs. We got the name of the project and the product that we're trying to, you know, set up. And I was like, this can't be too hard. So we're on the trademark website trying to fill out all this stuff. Mm-hmm. For everybody listening out there, I'm just going to tell you this right now: hire a lawyer. When they start, when you start, yep. when you start getting into it, and you're going, they're going to have all these definitions and what you want and how you want it. There's like signs and symbols you have no idea what they stand for. It's like not even English. It's a different dictionary. Just yep. hire a trademark lawyer. Spend the $500, yep. whatever it is. And I can kind of tell you, like, that trademark stuff's no joke. You probably would not have one anyway, because that's pretty much what the trademark is there for. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> smart choice, just forgetting about it, good and getting a new name. But actually, I think the new name is actually a lot cooler than the other one, Good Juju. That's also a good name, too. I'm not saying yeah. that was a bad name, but I think this one's a little more creative. Seeing that you're a creative soul, so putting it all together, something more meaningful. Not that I know if the last one wasn't meaningful, but yeah, I think this one uh, stands out a lot more. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. And yeah, definitely get a trademark lawyer. Like, that is the way to go because <laughs> it's complex, man. It is. And then you think you, you, uh, you got it all done and you're like, okay, finally got to the next screen and then something went wrong and then you got to pretty much start the whole process all over again. It's, it's tricky, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Tell us what kind of stuff your creative studio focuses on. What do you create? Oh yeah. Yeah. So we create, um, commercial we do commercial creative marketing so we've done commercials for walmart uh like the american lung association um pretty big like social justice organizations and so we do a series of things it ranges from photography and creating photo treatments or directing uh like uh, photo campaigns to doing like brand identity redesign work Mm-hmm. Right, like somebody comes in with an idea, they want to launch a product, and so we create the logo, the brand, the messaging, the voice, the tone, all of that stuff. Um, and then we also do film production and like you know media production, so podcasts. We like it's funny. I don't listen to podcasts that much, but we do produce podcasts for people. Nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, podcast production, like uh, video production, like I mentioned, um, and then also just uh, directing and like creative strategy. So we like to consider ourselves pretty much like a, a 360 
yeah. sort of creative studio, um, and we service an agency to or a creative agency to our clients. Um, but we don't really identify as a creative agency, and we use creative studio more intentionally because we don't only do work for um, in service of of other companies. We also just create our own projects and things that we want to see exist versus like only working when somebody has something for us to do. Uh, so we very much kind of, kind of like how Netflix has Netflix originals. Like they're, they're making movies on their own without other people bringing movies to them. Yeah. Uh, we kind of call our project, our internal projects, we call them food tour and grits originals. Nice. Um, and so like we're, we're working on like a, uh, on a mental health photo book, um, highlighting uh, mental health in black and brown communities uh, because it's so taboo. Uh, it was, for the most part, it's been taboo up until recently where people are now more comfortable acknowledging it. Um, we're working with a chef to create a hot sauce. So like we're doing the entire brand and marketing campaign for a, for a hot sauce, which, you know, we'll kind of like have some, some ownership in, uh, so like just cool little projects here and there, man. Like we're just anything that we think is creative that doesn't fully exist, um, or that we think we can put our own spin on. Uh, we try to have, we workshop some ideas and try to think of like, how can we do these things and how can we, you know, go about it? Because we have all the human resource, uh, available to us to do it because we do it for other people, right? Like, so we're like, why don't we take some of that creative capital, if you will, and in our thinking and our strategy um, and just our skills and do some of these things for ourselves and just create things that we want to see or things that we wish existed um, at some point in time, uh, just during our own, our own lives or our own experience as consumers when we go to the store or we read books or whatever it is. So, so yeah, so we're kind of like half agency, um, but uh, half creative studio where we kind of just, we just kind of play, we just play and we create things and we, we just, we just go on adventures, man. Like that's, so it's really fun. It's been really fun doing that, doing that kind of work. Yeah, that sounds awesome. You said hot sauce. Now you know you're like an all-in-one creative studio when you create a hot sauce. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. Right, right. Yeah, I recently rebranded myself. So when I first started my LLC, it was just photography-based. And the more yeah. I started doing, the more I started incorporating, I kind of went into a now an all-in-one kind of like you, uh, a multimedia creative studio because I'm now audio podcast. I just kicked up my YouTube and I still do my photography business and everything that I run and I own and I manage, it all incorporates itself. So it's kind of like the recycle sign where the little arrow goes to one element and that element goes to the yeah. next element. Yeah. And that element goes to that. And in the middle, it's my my network. So uh, I'm in the process of rebranding my my business. And I think I might reach out to you, have some backdoor conversations, because my Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. My biggest weakness that I know that I have is marketing. And I know that is ninety-nine percent of 
of getting out there is is marketing. If you don't got a good marketing strategy, right. you're, ju- you're just another name that no one knows about. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> cool. But sounds like you're uh, very busy over there with your little studio. Uh, one question, though, is that something you and someone else created from the ground up, or is that just kind of like a job you found and you became high-level management? No, we yeah no we created it from the ground up so i um yeah we created it from the ground up about three years ago now uh we've been working on it i guess really going on four years uh yeah since 2019 so yeah it's been we're going on four years since we've been working at it um and we do it full time um we both kind of worked respectively my co-founder and i we worked respectively in different creative positions from really big agency, really big creative agencies to presidential campaigns even. Um, and like really big, like social justice nonprofits. And we both got to a point in our career, I guess four, four years ago where we were like, man, like we've learned so much. We've met so many people, really great connections. Um, and so we were like, man, like we could go get, we were at that point where we were thinking of, do we want to apply for like, really high level, like C-suite jobs at creative agencies or, you know, at different businesses, like trying to apply for like a chief marketing position or chief design officer position. Um, and then we kind of both collectively were like, you know, maybe we should, maybe we should build that company that we've always been talking about. And so we've been roommates since like 20, we were roommates at one point since like 2015. So, uh, we weren't living, we weren't living together when we started this company, but we had the idea since, you know, since like eight years ago when we were roommates. And so we were talking and we were both kind of looking for that next job, uh, and that next job in our career. And we were like, Hey, maybe we should just start that company. We always said we wanted to start. Um, because although we worked in really great places, I have, I've made coworkers that are lifelong friends, you know, something about, there's always something about the work environment that just isn't great sometimes, right? Like whether it's like your boss or having to work 14 hour days, like for three weeks straight or whatever it is. But we were at a point where we had made enough connections and learned a lot by working from, by working in the creative uh, environment from a junior level all the way up to like upper level management. Um, that we sort of had an idea of how to run a business and we both have uh, similar um, uh, kind of like expectations of what a workplace should be. And so, and, and what we wanted that culture to feel like. Yeah. So we wanted to create our own work environment that we felt would be very healthy. One that where people would want to stay and grow with the company, um, not promote burnout. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, yeah. No um, and really just, and really, and really be a place that nurtures the people that work at the job versus only focusing on the business needs and the numbers and all of that stuff. Right. So, uh, so anyway, so four years ago we decided to do that and, and that's the, that's this company. So we are, uh, we're really proud of, having been around now for about four years and then also um, the work environment that we've been able to create is pretty, it's pretty special. It means a lot to us because 
we've worked in great work environments, bad work environments. And so we're kind of able to create this, uh, kind of like holistically, um, uh, uh, well-rounded, uh, uh, place for people to work at. Okay. So you were kind of in like the creative marketing field prior to creating this studio? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I worked as a creative director at a social justice nonprofit for about three and a half years. Um, before that, I worked, I, I did some freelance, but then I was also a photographer for the Washington Wizards and the Washington Now Commanders, the football team in D.C. and the, and the basketball team uh, out there. Um, I also worked with the Washington Spirit, which is the women's soccer team out there just doing um, game day media and in-game uh, in-game uh, video, like replay stuff that you see on like the Jumbotron and all of that. So, mm-hmm. yes, I did that for a few years. Um, and so I just, in my experience from working at organizations as big as like the NBA, the NFL, uh, the WMLS, um, you know, and then really, really big social justice organizations, I was able to meet a lot of people and really hone my skills as a creative, uh, you know, so photography was my first real, um, creative skill. Uh, and from photography, then went to graphic design, uh, and film, uh, because like I kind of took my photography eye and started using that in design and film is just photography in motion. Right. So, mm-hmm. Then I got to a place where, like, I was doing video, creating short stories, designing, like, my own lower third graphics, designing my own intros and all that stuff, um, and really just building on those skills over time. And I got I got to a place, uh, especially when I was working as a creative director, where I was really, really competent in, like, photography, composition, and all the technical things that come with that. And then all the technical things that come with design and, and, uh, and of course, uh, I wouldn't say all the technical things that come with filmmaking, but, um, I know how to use a camera. I know how to do, how to direct. And so, and also just the ability to tell a story, mm-hmm. I think has really just been the consistent through line, um, in any kind of, uh, in any avenue where I worked as a creative, uh, like whether it was photography, design or film, for me, it was always about storytelling. Right. And so, um, I always would kind of say like, yeah, like I'm a creative or like, yeah, I'm a photographer, but like I'm a storyteller, like I'm a designer, but I'm a storyteller. Right. And yeah. so that was always the through line. And so that was how I worked. And those are kind of the, the spaces in which I worked in primarily up until, uh, we started this, uh, this business. Okay. I like, there's plenty of segues in there. I want to get into the photography yeah. part, but really quick before I do. I was opposite, so kind of like you, I was a very creative soul from birth. I'm just gonna say, since as since as young as I can remember, I was always creating something, and I created all kinds of artistic pieces, from stained glass to acrylic paints, pastels, airbrushing, spray paint. If you you can think of it, I prob- probably have done it at one point in my life, but. That led me into graphic design, and then from graphic design, I became a photographer. And you uh, kind of said mentioned mm. that 
the photography, your f- photographic eye led into your graphic design. And mine was kind of reverse where my graphic design yeah. concepts, you know, design ideals, theor- theories, all of that played into my photography. And I think it benefited me in some ways where uh, I can see the image that I want to create before. So, yeah, yeah it's weird how that yep. works, right? Yeah, it's crazy. You wouldn't think it until you actually do it. Mm-hmm. And then you realize how connected all of that stuff really is. Man, like, even like, even like what you're saying, like by working as a designer, if you're creating, if, even if you're designing like a print layout, like you know the type of images that you need mm-hmm. to like fit within your design. So even though you're not a photographer yet, like yeah. you know what you need, like you know what you're looking for, you know what that needs to, what that needs to feel like uh, mm-hmm. to fit. And so then when you go to pick up a camera, right, like you go to pick up a camera and you're like, oh man, like I know, like you have that eye already because you you start, you, you sort of like started that, like that, that training, it's basic training, but like you started it. And so you're not quite starting at zero, which a lot of people don't realize until like you, you start doing it and realize how transferable some of those skills really are. Yeah, definitely. I don't know how many, I don't know if this applies to you, but how many countless hours I wasted nudging type one pixel left and right. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be perfect. And most designers, if yeah. you've never done it, you're like, what's one pixel? In the design world, one pixel is make or break an image. Oh, uh, yeah. Big time. Skill. Yeah, I mean, I have countless hours, man. Oh, yeah, looks countless better. hours. It looks better. No, put it back. Right. Uh, <laughs> I can't go there. Scrap the whole project, start from scratch. 12 right. hours later. Yeah. Yeah. Graphic design problems. Yeah, man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a really great introduction about graphic design and your creative studio. You did mention you, you really love photography. So why don't you introduce us to when you began photography and when you did start, what kind of photos were you making? Man, wow. That's a really, really big question. I haven't had to answer that question in so long. I'm going to challenge you to think. And I feel like, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's got me to think a little bit. Well, so I feel like I have, have when I used to answer this question with some of my buddies back home, I feel like a lot of us had the same introduction to photography, which was like, oh, like my dad had a camera. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> and so for me, it really is like my dad had a camera. Um, and so, you know, uh, growing up for whatever reason, I didn't like to be photographed at all. Like I didn't like being in pictures, but like my dad had, we always had like a, the, uh, eight millimeter tape, like camcorder and like a little film camera. Like, you know, you pop the 35 millimeter film in or like the, uh, the little, uh, Kodak, like uh quick or like disposable cameras. So, um, you know, I, uh, I always would volunteer myself to take the pictures, like on family vacations and stuff. Like my dad would take the pictures, but I, you know, I didn't really like being in the picture. So I would be like, Hey, like, you know, you give him the picture, like I'll take the picture. Um, and that was from a really, really young age, man. I think that was like, 
I was in like the fifth or sixth grade. So I was like, you know, nine, 10 years old, like 10, about 10 years old is when I really started uh, getting into photography. Um, and I say that because it's been pretty consistent, man. Like, you, you know, because uh, I have photos that I've taken from when I was 10, like still at my parents' house in like a shoebox. Like when in the sixth grade, we did something like where, like it was called outdoor ed where we went like essentially we went like camping for a couple of days or something. Yeah. And like, I have pictures of that. Uh, you know, I've got pictures from like my eighth grade, like the eighth grade trip where we went to King's Dominion. I've got pictures from like freshman year of high school, all photos that I took. Right. And this is before, this is before the camera phone. Um, so yeah, I mean like I started out taking pictures of, my family, um, because I didn't want to be in the pictures and it's crazy now, like how full circle photography has, has become for me because I start, so I started out taking pictures of family, pictures of like moments, uh, and then kind of fast forward through high school where that was kind of just, you know, friends hanging out, all that stuff. And then college where I started to get paid, take pictures of what was happening on campus, um, or like little, like, you know, little organizations on campus needed like a, photographer for whatever event was happening on campus and they'll pay you like 50 bucks or a hundred bucks. And that was a lot of money. Um, so then doing it professionally at like really high levels, like I mentioned for like the NBA, the NFL, I've done like, um, um, film project, uh, posters, like, you know, designing and taking the photograph for like key art. But now presently, I don't really take pictures professionally anymore. I mean, like I do, like those who know me, they know to reach out to me, but now I'm back to just taking pictures of my family, man. Like, so that's kind of like, yeah, that's where the joy is, man. Like, you know, I really, I just take pictures of my family. Like you know, I was sharing with you earlier, um, you know, before we got started, I'm getting, I'm having a kid next week. Uh, and so like my wife's, you know, nine months pregnant. And so I've just been taking pictures of like mm-hmm. what that journey has been for us, um, for her, all the changes in her body, just like the changes in our house. Like we've got a crib set up now, like, right. Like that's not what our house looked like a year ago. Um, I just put a car seat in the car this morning. Like I took a picture of that, right. Like, um, my younger sister was just visiting me. Like we've been hanging out the rodeos happening here in San Antonio. So like, you know, taking lots of pictures of that. Like, so like now when I like, when I look through my camera, like it's, it looks very similar to like what my camera looked like when I was like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. Um, I don't, you know, those are the things that, that I really, really, really want to photograph. I started a personal project, um, called family tree because like I've got a really, really big family. Um, my wife has a really big family. And so, you know, one day I was kind of just thinking, this is maybe a year or two ago, especially because of COVID. I feel like COVID made everybody kind of stop and think about some of the things that they do and what's important to them and all of that. And so during COVID, like one night, I was like, man, like, there's no reason. And I didn't have, you know, there was no prospective child on the way. Nobody was planning to have a kid. But like, I was like, man, there's no reason for like, my kids to like not one day have like dozens of photo books, bro. Like of like, this is what like your grandma looks like. This is like great, great grandma. This is like dad. This is uncle. This is auntie. And like, you should be able to like 
you know, we have all this technology, like right in the palm of our hands and we have all these sophisticated cameras. I was like, there's no reason to not have like a very visual representation of like what a family of like a family tree, like a photo of every single person. Um, so I kind of, and my family spread out across the United States, like Europe, Asia, Africa. So I kind of started this, this project of making it a point to take portraits of my family, um, and saving it and organizing it. And so I'm working on this book and there's going to be like a version one, version two, like for both sides of the family and all of that, that kind of really it's a chronicle. It's going to be a chronicle of just like uh, my entire family and everybody who's living and, uh, you know, hopefully those who, who were born during my lifetime anyway, mm-hmm. um, to just make available to my family. And so that's like what gets me the most excited. Like it's not, it's not, not like, Oh, we need you to take a headshot for like this person or like, Oh, we need you to do set photography or like, Oh, we're interested in like hiring you for, national geographic it's like it's it's for me i'm like back at square one and like that's that's like what photography is to me and i don't know it's hard to say now but like i'm not necessarily looking forward to or i'm not in a rush to get back to like to like big time paid commercial photography i'm really enjoying um i'm really enjoying where i'm at with it right now and and really, and really being like almost like back to the basics, if you will. Uh, it's it's been so much fun, man. Yeah, you've been shooting out in the streets a lot. Yeah, I do shoot out in the streets. I still go out in the streets and shoot. Uh, that's like that. That's that's like part of where it started, right? Like, so I'm always in the street. I always have a camera in my bag, and I'm I'm always trying to I'm always trying to work on that street photography uh, skill set because it's so it's so fun, like being being on the street shooting and trying to blend in to not to not be a distraction within the scene that you're trying to capture um is like a you have to be very you have to be uh very sleuth <laughs> right so uh I, I love shooting in the street san antonio is different uh, like i grew up in the dc dc area and dc suburbs um and so there was a lot of street, you know, there's a lot of street photography opportunities. San Antonio is slower, um, it's slower pace. It's not as dense where it's, it's, so it's not as easy to blend in. Um, and so that's been, that's been a fun skill too. Like as soon as you pull your camera out, I feel like everybody notices versus like in DC, New York city, LA, Chicago, nobody really notices, you know, like nobody really cares even because like, everybody's too busy. Yeah. Everybody's too busy. So much is going on that in the environment. You know, you've got, you've got, yeah, busy city life. You've got street vendors selling food. You've got somebody like trying to pass out water. Somebody's holding the paper. Somebody's playing like, you know, the buckets on the corner or like playing a guitar or whatever it is. And so nobody's really paying attention to the guy who's like standing, leaned up on the light post, taking a picture in San Antonio, they will notice because all those other distractions aren't there. So, um, you know, so that's been kind of fun, man. Like just trying to take pictures in my neighborhood, walking the streets, uh, the river walk down here, uh, for those who are familiar is a pretty, uh, it's a pretty, uh, it's a feature, uh, kind of, um, landmark in the city. So I always go on the river walk and, uh, try to, try to sneak some street photos in. And I've got a pretty good, 
got a pretty good collection of some street photos uh, that I've taken uh, here in San Antonio. I'm actually going to make a book uh, in over the summer because I'll be moving from San Antonio this summer. And so I, I told myself I want to make a book now for like everywhere that I've lived. Yeah. Um, and it's really just for myself, like just for me to be able to look back and have those memories uh, to, to know like 10 years from now, I can look and see like, what it felt like. I'll know what I was doing, like what I was going through when I took those images. Um, and so it's almost like I do, I do these things now almost to kind of like create a bookmark for myself. Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm 33, when I'm 45, I'll be able to look at it. And it's like, it's kind of like pulling the bookmark out of that book. And you know, like, you know, like you highlighted certain words on the page, you circled certain things. Um, and so to me, I just, I just think like in the future, uh, looking back, it'll just be a really cool thing that I'd have done for myself uh, that um, that I'll be able to share with others. Yeah, this is where I was at at this point. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Be- before I get into your street photography process, I, w- I want to ask, because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people out there who listen to this podcast who kind of want to get into, uh, I would say, commercial, like paid Kind of like photography jobs you've had working for big establishments, big teams, whatever it may be. How do you get a job as a photographer for these types of organizations? Yeah, um, honestly, I think I've been asked that a lot. It's just relationships, man. Like, so I take relationships really seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been blessed to just meet people who are in places to make decisions. Um, I don't want to say positions of power because I don't know that they're in positions of power. I just think they have, they're able to make, they have some influence um, and they really put their neck out for me uh, for me to have those opportunities. But uh, I mean, I've also been in places, uh, I've also had jobs where I didn't have anybody there. And honestly, man, I mean, it's, it's really just having that portfolio tight um, reaching out to people like, you know, it's LinkedIn has kind of become popular again a little bit. Like it's become sexy again, right? Like, <laughs> you know, find the producers, find the editor, find the editors, find the, you know, the director of marketing, um, and just reach out to them. If they're local, see if you can get a cup of coffee, um, and have like a, have a printout of your work, something that like a leave behind that you can give them. Um, that's tangible, like, you know, the digital portfolio is great. Um, but if you have the opportunity to actually put something physical in somebody's hand, uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit more of a reinforcer, uh, you know, for, for those people because they get thrown portfolio links all day, every day. Like, um, and so when you actually hand them, when you actually have the ability to hand them something physical, you stand out, um, and also, I mean, just like trust your process, trust your journey, um, and don't just, you know, don't, the right projects will always find you. That's what I always say. Like, that's what I've always said, and that's what I say now. Like, I think the right projects will always find you. And um, uh, another thing is just, you know, make yourself, make yourself available. Like, you know, uh, and when I say make yourself available, what I mean is, just keep developing your craft and your skill because like when the opportunity comes, you also have to be prepared and, and ready. Right. Like, um, and so I've been in situations where 
I was thrown in, I've been thrown into like national, into doing like national commercial uh, product photography at the last minute where I wasn't the guy, I wasn't chosen, but like the main guy who was chosen got sick. And I get a call like the night before, I'll never forget. That was actually like my first big pro- like a uh, product photography uh, job was for Timex. And um, a buddy of mine was in Oregon. He couldn't make it back to DC in time. He was doing something else. And so the client calls me and they're like, hey, you know, we got your information from, you know, this guy, the guy who was supposed to be doing our shoot. He can't make it. We need a photographer at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Like, do you have these lenses? Do you have this? Are you able to do this? Send us over your rates. And like, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh. Like I was, I was actually scared to be, to be honest, man. Like I was scared. Um, but like I was, but I knew I was capable. Um, and that was like my first real big, my first real big commercial job, man. Like, so, you know, then that wasn't me pitching. That wasn't anything. That was just like right place, right time. And having the skill set, cause you still have to be able to produce. Right. So having the skill set, um, and the talent, I guess, to be able to, to capitalize on that. So I, you know, I was super fortunate, super blessed to have that situation happen. So, you know, I, I don't know if that answers the question, but I would say like that is that that is all of the advice I have <laughs> to yeah. give. Uh, you know, if you're looking for those big opportunities, um, and also don't don't sleep on local man. Like the local paper, the local businesses, like all of that stuff. Like those are great launching points um, because you know it goes like kind of local, regional, national, um, and that uh, in that order. And I think. Uh, I think there's some super great opportunities uh, at the local level too that that will serve you uh, when you get to like regional and national opportunities. Yeah, it did answer all the questions, and then I got one last one. How much pressure did you have on you trying to pretty much fight yourself to make sure you got the shot for whatever organization it may have been? whether it was the soccer team, the football team, the basketball team, how much pressure is that? Because, you know, what I would say personally is like, you know, I'm always prepared to take photos, but then when you get hired to do something, that little, that pre-jitter, like the pre-game, it starts kicking in. You're like, am I going to take good photos? Are they going to like it? What's that pressure like working for these very elite organizations? Yeah, man, that pressure is real. <laughs> the pressure is real. Um, I think for me, what it helped, what helps me is just having the same process. Mm-hmm. So like whenever, no matter what I'm shooting, even if I'm shooting like family stuff, like I do the exact same thing. Like, like I check my cameras, I check the batteries, I check my lenses, I check my viewfinder. Like if I have an EBS that I'm attaching or anything like that. So I do that in the beginning just so that everything sort of feels the same. Like it becomes like the, it's sort of like the neutralizing thing. It calms me down because it reminds me that I know how to do this. And this is no different than anything that you would do on any other day. So like that is very important to me. Um, I mean, but the moment that doesn't necessarily always fix or take those jitters away. I think it's just trusting yourself, right? Like Mm -hmm. the other part that I always have to remember that I always remind myself is like, 
they hired you for a reason. You are taking these photos for a reason. So like they trust your eye, right? Cause like they saw my photos. I didn't use your photos to get the job. I used my photos to exactly. get the job, right? So like, you know, so it's like, you just have to trust your process, man. And like, trust, trust your eye. Don't try to, don't try to do something you wouldn't because mm-hmm. it's what you, what you do is what got you there. You know, what you do is what you got, what got you that opportunity. Um, I've seen people like get big gigs and then they feel like they need to change, switch it up. But I'm like, don't switch it up. Like that's, you know, that do, do exactly what you were doing. Cause that's why they hired you. Um, and so that also really calms me down, man. And also it's like, you know, out of, out of the dozens of people who they could have chose, like they chose you. And instead of that making you more nervous, like it should calm you because, they saw other people's work, you know, but they wanted your work. So just do what you would always do. And I think like, you know, once it, like once a shooter, always a shooter, like, you know, just do what you do and like, don't let it, don't ever let the moment be bigger than you. Um, because once that happens, you've lost control of how you would go about it. Right. Then you, you start doing funky stuff. Like you're pulling out lenses that, you wouldn't normally use like that. You probably aren't that comfortable with like, you know, like, you know cause yeah. Right. And then that's when you start to, that's when you start to make mistakes, man. Like, like I remember a friend of mine, like when I got in like a pretty big opportunity early on, he was like, Oh, like, you know, you should probably use like a, you need to use a 24 to 70 and like, you need to blah, blah, blah. And I was like, man, like I was on, like I was at that point, like I was only using like 50, 50 baby. Mm-hmm. So like, I was like, ah, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not, I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I was like, I'm going to just stick with this. But anyway, I still took it and I found myself like trying to figure out how to incorporate it. And then I started making mistakes, man, because like that wasn't, that wasn't me, mm-hmm. you know? And so like halfway now, like a third of the way through, I just put it back in the bag and I just put the 50 on and I was like, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to rock with the 50. Like, that's who I am. That's how I got here. Like, I'm not going to, I didn't, I, I didn't show them a single image that was 24 millimeters. Like, so why, why try now? Like, you know, like, zoom lens. like, why try now? Yeah. You know, so that was, uh, so that's, that's, that's my advice, man. Like, just don't, don't let the moment be bigger. Yeah. I recently did a photo shoot for somebody. They hired me and I kind of explained my process and, and my vision. And they were actually, uh, very receptive to my my idea and how I wanted to capture it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, this sounds good. Let's let's do it like that." And it's the first time I've ever done a paid shoot in in that manner, and I only took my my yeah. my camera with a thirty five mil lens, so I I don't use zooms. I use primes, but yeah, yep, me too, and. I saw I went with I went with my my camera, my lens, and my batteries. That was it. And I was like, I only got one shot at this. I have to 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 you know. I I had confidence in my work. I know I was gonna do it. But the problem is like when you have an an additional element like people that are not familiar with your process, and you're trying to create something together. Now that's when, for me, that was where I was feeling the pressure. Like, man, if I don't get this, I'm going to feel like a jerk. I'm charging these people all this money. 
And I'm not going to give them a discount. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, the cost, the price is the price. You know, we're going to learn from our mistakes. We'll get better. And yeah. I actually, I, I did really good. It went faster than I expected. And I don't really, I, I, Overall, it was it was a great, it was a fun time, and I was able to perform the images and you know the photography services. Everything came out as needed. So, but yeah, stick to like you said, stick with what you're comfortable with, and trust in your skills. Yep. And always, always, always check your settings. So I was. Yeah, <laughs> that, that settings is is no joke. I was I only say that because I was in Tokyo last week, and I don't know. I've never made so many mistakes unintentionally. Well, every mistake's not intentional, but I've always have my camera settings set to where I want to shoot for whatever scenario that I'm in, and I would preset my settings for my next scenario where I was walking. I was on foot the pretty much the entire trip and I was presetting my settings mm-hmm. for where I was heading to next and I was missing shots and I kept kicking myself. There was like at least six moments that I messed up because I just I wasn't prepared. So like yeah. you said, trust yourself, trust your ability and always check your settings. <laughs> always check your settings, always man. Your yeah, settings. definitely. Yeah, I made some, I made some mistakes not checking my settings before. <laughs> Rookie mistake number yeah, one. Big time. Yeah. yeah, always. So yeah, I had a shoot. I mean, I don't even. It wasn't even like a high six shoot, but you know, like every shoot is just an opportunity for you to create something, and I. So like I think I was just doing something with I don't know I think I was doing something with my buddies or like I was helping it was a paid shoot for him and I was kind of just like oh I'll come on and like you know just do some second shooter stuff with you didn't check my settings uh, on like one of my cameras I was I think I was I had two cameras on me didn't check the settings on both of them um, one was only taking JPEGs yeah and I was like oh no. <laughs> You left the JPEGs only on? It was only taking JPEGs. Yeah, I left the JPEGs only on. And then the other one didn't even have a card in it. The other one didn't even have a card in it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize, um, but you know, I just, I didn't have a, it didn't have a um, playback screen. So I didn't really, like, so I wasn't getting the like no card, yeah, no card uh, uh, message that you normally would get. Yeah, yeah, I disabled it. So I'm just shooting, I'm just shooting it. <laughs> So like you know, I'm like yo, like you know, I give him. I'm like oh, I want to give him my SD card, and he, he was like yo, like all of these are JPEG. And then like I was like bro, I didn't have my SD card in this other camera at all. Like yeah, and so like you know, luckily I was just like I was kind of just filling in and doing a little bit of assist work, but you know, that was could have been easily avoidable. But I kind of just like rushed into it and check, didn't go through my process, man. I did not. Yeah, I didn't go through my process. Yeah. It sucks, too, because yeah. it's always those good images where you're like, oh, I got this one. This one's in the bag. And then... Yeah. yeah. Hey, <laughs> damn it. It's not yeah. in the bag. Right. For me, I... No, I not in the bag. But you... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, but you learn those lessons. Yeah. You learn those lessons, though. 
and they help you. The next one will be in the bag because like, right. Like when those happen, like the next shoot that you do, like you, if they, if those things ground you, yeah. <laughs> they, hum, they humble you, man. Like real quick. You'll never forget. So me, per- right. me personally, I've never forgot a SD card in my camera. But I would say it would be. Oh the, man, you're blessed. Yeah, it would be the equivalent of shooting a phantom roll on film, which I have have done many times, and I don't know how yeah. it happens. Like I'm pretty sure I know how to load my film correctly, given the countless rolls of film I've shot. And when you get that phantom roll back, it's it's like leaving your SD card at home. And you're just walking around. Yeah, right. And it's always that one shot. You're like, oh, I, I got the one shot I really wanted on this roll. And then come back, you get it, and it's just completely transparent. But thank yeah, you for... Yeah, that's, that's painful, man. <sighs> thanks for the insight on, on the commercial work. But I want to get into your street photography. I would like to know, we were kind of getting into it. Take us down your process of when you're walking down San Antonio. I'm going to go ahead and just assume you shoot in the Alamo because you're in San Antonio and you got to remember yeah, the Alamo. Yeah, right. Yeah. So take us down <laughs> right. your, your process. You don't necessarily have to tell us your, your settings because we all know settings is just whatever you feel like being creative. So if you want wide open, shallow, whatever it may be, but kind of like your process of walking, shooting, what you look for, what do you want? to happen before you push the shutter? Yeah, so I'm always trying to shoot very candid moments on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually when I'm doing street stuff, like I'll walk around, but honestly, like I, I'll walk around and shoot, but normally I'll like, I'll pick a spot and just sit. I'll pick a spot and sit and I kind of just get, I'll get a bunch of different images almost with the same framing. But it's they're all entirely different images because you have like somebody who will walk in their dog walking through a bike rider coming through and you get like a crazy motion blur shot or like you know um, or just like the scene in itself. So I've been I, yeah. So normally I like I'll I'll just have a cup of coffee and I'm walking around and I'll I'll find a good spot and I'll kind of sit and wait for the image to come to me. Um, and I love just catching the candid moments, like kids, kids, like just babies learning how to walk and they kind of like stumble over and they pick themselves up. Um, you know, just people walking, talking. It's always like, I, I love catching like romance and street photography, like just like couples just showing affection. Um, so that's like, that's, that's kind of like my process though is really just, I just try to let it come to me. I try not to force it too much. Um, and I love, I love to challenge myself to shoot in black and white only when I'm doing street photography. I don't know why that just feels like, just feels like what I should be doing. Like, like, um, and, uh, and I always use it as an opportunity to just like practice my range finder technique. Right. Like just, um, just, just try, just always strengthening, um, my, my, uh, rangefinder skills. So those are kind of the things I'm like, those are the three boxes I'm, I usually try to check is like, am I practicing using my rangefinder? Like just always being run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I try to always shoot black and white and then just don't, I try not to force the images because in San Antonio, it's hard, man. Like 
because it's because the streets aren't as dense. Um, even the Riverwalk, even the Alamo, uh, you can't you can't really you have to you can't shoot that many images before you draw attention to yourself, regardless of how quiet your camera is. Like people feel it, people see it, and then like you start getting that weird, but you start getting the weird look of people looking like, and sometimes those make great images too, right? Like what the, who the heck is this guy? Like yeah, shooting definitely. random pictures of me. Um, but that's, that's never really the look I want. I want like just the casual guy, like sitting reading the paper and like, he doesn't notice me, but I see, I notice everything that he's doing or like, you know, a person who's like training their dog or whatever it is, you know? So, um, I try to keep it really easy, man. Like I, I try not to overcomplicate it for myself. Uh, I do. I, there's like there are certain compositions that I try to maintain. Like I usually, I usually do my street with like 35 millimeter. Um, I'm a 35 guy. Like I, I don't really go wider than that unless I have to. Um, I don't own anything wider than that anyway. So uh, and that's that's usually the frame. Um, and yeah, and I'm and I'm and I'm really just I'm really just trying to work on capturing moments that I would that I would frame in my wall, like that I would put on a frame and hang on the wall. Sorry, um, in like my office because I think that's you know that's kind of why I do it is like I just want to create really cool moments that I would print uh, and hang up, which is something really new for me, like in my photography, and I just did it started it this year. Um, where I took a series of photos uh, from, from, from some street photography that I did in Miami uh, uh, and started printing them and hanging them up. And so kind of like during COVID for me, like I mentioned, making the, the photo albums and stuff, I also started actually printing more of my photos and hanging them on the wall in my house. Uh, it was weird. Like I was, the, I was the artist who like, never actually had any of his own art up. Like I, I buy a lot of my other friends photography. I buy a lot of my other friends stuff and hang it up. And I never really did my own, um, until COVID. So now like when I'm shooting, I'm like, Oh man, like that would look great in the bathroom. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, you know, uh, and so that's been like, you know, that's kind of been like a little bit of, a little bit of my process. Um, I try to also, I also have been trying to capture like a lot of trying to like, you get a lot of information in a story, right? So like what's in the foreground, what's in the middle, what's in the background, um, and like telling a story, like even though it's one frame, but like telling a story through different layers of the image. Um, and so that's been really fun too, because like, you know, you might have something like that's happening right in front of you, but like in the background of the picture is like something completely different. So depending on what you're choosing to focus on, um, both, both physically, like, and literally, like both literally and physically, like, you know, like when I'm actually, what the camera is actually focusing on and then what you as the viewer is actually focusing on, like you're seeing a completely different image. Um, and that's a new, that's something new that I've, uh, tried to like incorporate in my photography. I think when I first started like doing street photography, like I was trying to go after those very, like very stereotypical like dude at the bus stop smoking a cigarette like you know like <laughs> like you know just yeah. trying to get those types of images um but now i'm actually trying to get more and, and even though i'm not shooting at like a 24 or 28 like you know uh i'm trying to get more into my 35 uh even if that's just me kind of 
even if that's just me kind of backing up a little bit to get more information in the, uh, into the fray, because uh, I think that's been that's been really cool too. Instead of like trying to get all of these like really clean, sleek images, I'm like, how can we like how can we get it a little messier and like get more things happening in the shot, but still make it beautiful, right? And still and still tell us story and so that's been something that I'm trying to do more of these days uh, is just getting more information into a frame okay that's cool I was gonna say you mentioned rangefinder technique were you referring to zone focus yes okay. zone focus super simple with a 35 not so simple with a 70 yeah right yeah <laughs> I yeah, have yeah. to. Oh, uh, yeah, no, yeah. I have to do a seventy-five millimeter zone focus challenge now because that's pretty much paper thin depth of field. But huh. I, huh. I try to push myself as far as learning techniques and skills and my equipment. So recently, I always told myself I'd never needed a Sumalux until I got a Sumalux, and I was like, "This is the greatest lens ever." Uh, yeah. So, yeah. It, it's it's not to you know boast about the gear, but it it just it creates a different image that I really thought I didn't need, but it gives me exactly what I want, and it's pretty much the mm-hmm. lens I've been using. But I've been trying to do a one point four zone focus. So, as I mentioned, I was in Tokyo last week and I was there for six days and I just did six days of nonstop from wake up to go to sleep photography and I've shot in I was pushing my limits and on what I was learning and what I wanted to learn technique wise and putting some stuff together I would go into certain scenarios with I'm gonna zone focus at 1.4 and Mm-hmm. It's the same. You just have to know your your distance. You, you just yeah, it's all about visually, the distance. Yeah, visually, you have to know where your subject is to where your camera's at. Find your angle, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Find the distance that you like. Now, when you're doing a zone focus challenge, you you're gonna want it really close, especially at one point four, mm-hmm. and I probably missed about three or four of the shots from what I thought I got. And I'm not going to lie. I was actually really impressed with the results and my ability to know where my subject needed to be before I pushed the shutter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, man. Those are the kind of, those are kind of the challenges that I feel like you just, they, they make you a, a better photographer or more efficient photographer, actually. Maybe not better, just more efficient. Um, which I think, like, you, you had, uh, I think you had mentioned to me the other day, especially, like, with, with children. I think you're, like, zone focus. I'm going to be your best friend. Yeah. Like, you know, just oh, yeah. try to shoot. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, so I think uh, even, even like, when I think about that, like, I've got to I've gotta keep practicing. Cause yep. So, they're also not going to be able to get anything. So I have a daughter, and I will tell you, I was able to 
successfully take more shots of her zone focus than I am with the fastest autofocus in the world. Because when I, the way I set my camera up, it's not with continuous focus and it's, it was there. I don't, I don't have any uh, autofocus cameras now, but when I did, I, I never set it to continuous focus because I always switch it back to the single lock focus. So I would always, yeah, yeah, I would always miss, but you know, with that zone focus, I already know my distance and she's pretty much in there Mm -hmm. and I can click away. Now, depending on how creative, you know, you got children, you want that wide open, you want that blurry background, you want separation. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to nail that, that zone. Unless you can get some nice time to get a quick focus, and if you're you're really good at memory focusing, that's another technique that's cool to master. Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not there yet. <laughs> I would say probably the coolest lens for children is a macro lens because you're gonna you're gonna want to get real close. Yeah, yeah I, that's one thing I would recommend. You probably buy some extension tubes. I didn't know this, but Leica actually sells um, extension tubes for M's. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a cheaper alternative, yeah. and you can get really close. Yeah, to getting the lens. Yeah. But don't use those uh, tubes on the street because you're going to have 100% blurry out-of-focus images. <laughs> Unless you're... Right. Like, yeah. Welcome to your lens. <laughs> cool. Right, right. All right. So now I would like for you to plug all of your, you don't have to plug all, you can plug whichever ones you like, but your social media, your websites, anything you own that you like the world to be able to go view your work, contact you in any way. So if you own it and you want to share it, please do. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah. So, um, I mean, my Instagram and Twitter all across is uh, Sir Meadows. It's just S-I-R-M-E-A-D-O-W-S, Sir Meadows. Um, and then since we talked about Food Floor and Grits a little bit, uh, we'll, we'll be re- like actually launching the brand probably in April, but the website for that is foodfluidgrits.com. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's how to find me, man. Not, 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 not overly complicated. It's pretty easy. <laughs> nice. So my one question for you is, since you're a creative studio does your website match your instagram no not at all man um i i haven't really used my instagram lately actually i'm planning to when the kid comes so like i think i haven't really posted much on my instagram Mm -hmm. i almost use instagram now like what's that like to keep in touch with people (laughs) yeah um, yeah, it's like a messaging tool for me. And that's really just because I wanted to focus on, um, printing, uh, printing my images, making books and stuff. So I haven't really posted much to, like, I haven't posted much digitally because I've really been taking the time to put images on coffee t- in coffee table books or like in the walls in my home, uh, versus like just on the internet. Um, but I mean, I have a kid coming literally in seven days and I know that I'm going to fall victim to (laughs) posting uh, pictures again and all that stuff. So I know that this time next week I will be back. And I also have like 
different things I want to post. I think there are different stories I want to tell now, um, especially with COVID and being in Texas now, uh, not in DC. I think there's just different stories I want to tell um, on social media. And so the other part of me has been thinking like, how do I want to tell those stories? What do I want those things to look like? Um, and so I think in a few weeks I'll actually be back posting uh, on, on social media more intentionally. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about that. That's cool. Quick controversial question for you. Cause I think every photographer goes through this. I, I kind of went through a short brief, brief moment when I was briefly married in the past, but my ex-wife wanted to get some family portraits done. And I'm like, why do we need to hire a photographer? I can take the photos myself. Did you did you say that at any point? Yeah, yeah. I think we all I did. I have said that. I have. I think I have, but now I'm open to not taking the pictures. Yeah. I think it's good for an objective third party to take them <laughs> because if somebody doesn't like how they look in it or whatever, like it's not on you. Like it's like, it's just, you know, it's not on you versus, you know, it's like, oh, why'd you make me look like that? And I'm like, oh, can you fix this? They're open. I'm like, oh man, here we go. <laughs> I'm just going to say this to all those happily, happily married people out there. Just go ahead, hire the photographer. Don't stress out trying to worry about your settings, you know. It'll save you a, a night on the couch in the, in the long run, but just get the photographer. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> just get the photographer. <laughs> yeah, I out. agree. Yeah, I agree. All Big right. time. So we are kind of pressed for time here. I'm trying to keep this down as fast as uh, we need. But now I would like for you to kind of, well, actually, I, I I looked at your Instagram and I saw you had a photo of Ruddy Roy. Did you take that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. All right. Yeah, Ruddy Roy. That is that is a good friend of mine. Um, and he is actually who introduced me to the Leica system. Okay. So that is like a whole other... That was like a whole, we could do a whole podcast on just my, my relationship with him. It's funny, I was, he texted me this morning, actually. Uh, I was just, I just uh, was talking to him last night and I fell asleep. And so he called me, he sent me a text message this morning. Uh, yeah, Ruddy is a, a great friend, a role model, a mentor. He is, a, I mean, he's a, the definition of a brother um, for me through and through. Uh, and I, I owe a lot of, a lot of the way I see photography now um, uh, uh, to, to him. Uh, he, I met him at a point in my, in my career as a photographer where he challenged me a lot mm -hmm. from the gear I was using to the way I was, com uh, to my composition, to what the, like, what are the, what's the story that I'm telling? Even this family, the family tree project, that I'm working on. I've shared a few of the images with him and he'll, I'll send him an image and he'll send it back to me and he would have cropped it. <laughs> he was like, he would have, he would have sent it back. Like this is the composition that you really want to tell the story that you say you're trying to tell. Um, and he'll give me the reasons why and we'll kind of 
we'll go back and forth on on things like that. But yeah, ready is ready is a a, a very important to me. He's a very important person. Uh, he's like a, a big brother to me. Um, yeah, and I mean, we we talk we talk all the time. Yeah, I was actually supposed to record with him a couple months ago. I was in school at the time, and Air Force in school kind of consumes my my schedule, so I was unable to to do it. Yeah, uh, I, I may need. Oh yeah, you can you assist. can get him on. I'm, I'm gonna need an assist from. Yeah, you. I got you. That's, that's so, easy. That's easy. I would do appreciate that. I would like for you now, since we are pretty much gonna be wrapping this up like for you to recommend any photographers that you feel do not get the recognition they deserve. And I try to typically keep that to, I would say low level notoriety. That's the word notoriety only because I I like to highlight Mm -hmm. people that people should know about that are really out there hitting the streets, putting in the work and making great images. Okay. How do you want me to do this? Should I reference them by their Instagram name or their, (laughs) like, let's see. Um, yeah, I would say, uh, photographers. Hmm. And that's a great question. I I didn't, I didn't know if you're going to, I didn't know if you're going to ask me. (laughs) I had a, I had a couple. So I've got, uh, um, a uh, buddy of mine, uh, name is well, he's a brother of mine. His name's Kevin. His Instagram is the Kevin J. Um, he's a, a brother from the, uh, from sorry, his brother from uh, Ivory Coast, and uh, just a, a really talented photographer. Um, another brother of mine. Uh, his name is Light. And his Instagram is my real name is Light. He's a super talented uh, photographer, um, just just extremely extremely talented. Uh, and then uh, let's see, so one more, one more photographer, not big notoriety. Uh, I don't know. He's kind of got some notoriety, but I think he's just. He's he's really talented, uh, and his his Instagram handle is Hey Tobes. Uh, that's Hey, and then T O B S. Uh, he's just super talented. I mean, that that guy is. He's been doing photography for like I don't know as long as I've known him, probably like eight nine eight nine years. And every year, his his work, his body of work, just keeps getting better and, and doesn't cease to, he, his, his image has never ceased to amaze me, man. That's, that's, that's a talented dude right there. Um, so yeah, those are, those are my three. I could probably go on and on. I've got so many brothers that are photographers and sisters too, but, uh, yeah, those are, those are the three that are top of mind. Okay. So I will get their stats and not stats, but their, their handles. I'll include them in the show notes when this goes up, and I do appreciate that. So, everybody, go support their accounts if you are not already supporting them. Also, support Michael Meadows over here. And the last question I always like to, to end these recordings is: 
What does street photography mean to you? <clears throat> street photography to me is, well, what it means to me is the ability, I mean, like, street photography is so important, right? Like, so I think, I, like I mentioned, like, just what it means to me now is just the ability to take in all the information, uh, just where you are. Um, I mean, it's, to me, it's the bedrock. It's the bedrock of photography. Um, I think that's really, like, that's really where photography for me is, like, it's, it's the, it's the, the genesis, if you will. So, uh, and everybody does it. Everybody try. Everybody tries to do it. Uh, some some do it differently than others. But everybody has their own definition of of what it is. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I think it's just just getting out there, being fearless, uh, and just and just and just documenting. Like it's the, to me, it's the greatest form of documentary photography. Um, and and that that's what it means to me. Nice, nice. I like that being fearless. I think all street photographers at some point and probably just throughout their entire journey in street photography feel some kind of fear at one point or another. So just be a fearless. Scary, man. <laughs> it can be. And there's, there is times I'll say shooting in Japan is, is different. It's a lot safer as far as like, I don't got to worry about someone pulling out a gun on me, that kind of safety. But there's always yeah. times where like when I travel, I'm not sure how the people in those areas are going to react, you know, because everybody knows what a camera is. And then when someone sees a Mm -hmm. camera pointed in their direction, the first, the first thing they're thinking is, oh, this guy's taking pictures of me. And then, you know, the confrontation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes that goes through my mind, like, you know, am I, am I going to be taking these pictures? Second guessing, should I just take it? And you're like thinking, uh, will it be worth it? Sometimes no. So you just, you kind of leave it, but being fearless. So yeah, I do appreciate that answer. Yeah. Cool. So like I said, that is always the last question I ask. Now I would like to give you the opportunity to ask me any questions you may have and I'll answer the best I can. So yeah, what I was thinking just when we were talking about being fearless, I was wondering, have you ever and how did you feel when you were doing when you were shooting on the street, just doing some street photography? I guess it's two questions. Mm-hmm. How how was it when you got confronted by somebody? And then the next question is going to be how did you feel the first time you asked a stranger if you could like take their portrait? Okay. So this is a, the first part is, is actually really simple. Cause I've only ever been approached one time to ask if I've, oh, it. so, <laughs> it's a little different for me. I yeah. guess I was, I'm a fortunate one, but that feeling was kind of like you get caught when you're a kid stealing something. I'm sure. Now I can't say yeah. everybody's, yeah. <laughs> I can't say everybody's stolen something, but I was a bad kid. I I probably did some shoplifting at one point in my life, you know. Probably, you know. I can't remember that far back, but if I did, it's that feeling you get caught 
you're like, damn, I got caught. But it wasn't bad, yeah. you know. It was kind of creepy though because the person I was, I just got a new camera. It was before I got into Leica, and it was actually a small little Canon mirrorless camera. And I was walking by, and I was just testing it out. You know, I wanted to see what I can get with this camera. And person was doing well. It was a, a crappy photo anyway, but I was just playing with the camera. Wasn't looking for anything meaningful and. Person walked by me. I took the picture. The camera was super loud. It didn't have a soft, silently shutter. And for a mirrorless camera, it's kind of loud. I'm not gonna lie. However, as soon as I took it, the woman knew I took their photo, and it was kind of like a d- delayed reaction. She walked past me. I kept walking, and then next thing I know, is this woman comes running up to me out of nowhere. Did you just take my photo? You know, the usual blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did. I'm doing street photography, whatever. Uh, I'll delete the photo if you like. So I did. I deleted the photo. But this woman took it one step further. And she was actually following me around the little community I was at, which was in England. And she was telling people, like, this guy's taking pictures of people. And what I will say is... Not one person oh, wow. cared. Like, no one cared at all except for her. And the more she would try to tell people and the less, like, the more rejection she was getting, like, no one actually cared. She just gave up and just went on about her, her business. But, yeah, it was just kind of like, like, man, I got caught. Now people That's see me funny. taking their pictures all yeah. the time. I don't think, I don't think nothing of it. I just keep walking and no one... Yeah. To this day has approached me since. And I don't know. I As far as asking people to take their photo, I've never been shy for on that aspect. I've been very, I would say I'm kind of like a social butterfly. I can talk to anybody wherever. However, that first time oh, when, when you're doing like street portraits and no one really truly understands what you're trying to create. You're kind of like nervous, yeah. like, how do I explain this to them that I want to take their photo? Right, right. And I have no idea who they are and they don't know who I am. So really, it's just trying to find the words to explain and put them in a comfortable state to allow them to, uh, you know, take their photo. Because when you ask, it's you're going to get something different. And once you ask them... There's not there. There won't be a candid moment from there on because they're gonna they're gonna notice you. No, it doesn't matter. Right. You can leave and come back in an hour, and they'll still see you. And the whole mm-hmm. whatever you try to create, is, yeah, you've com- yeah. yeah, it's burned down, changed. It's completely changed. Yeah, yeah. I will say, yeah. okay. Good. One of the first few times I did ask someone to take her photo, and it was only. Like the the person itself wasn't herself wasn't like in an interesting. I necessarily would not have asked her to take her her portrait. However, it was the lighting. She was she was standing in this weird spot where the sun was cutting through this little gap in the Cambridge <laughs> Town Center, and it creates this really beautiful light. It's like a, a 
a wall shot. It's a, a wall shot. I don't know how to explain it, but she was standing in a position where the light was coming through on one side and it was a shadow on the other side. So she was like split in half. Yeah. But right. the position where she was standing, she was rimlit by the sun. So. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She didn't notice. I'm sure she did because she probably seen me and the guy I was shooting with taking, you know, random photos in the street. I took a few photos of her before I asked her. And then I was like, you know, like maybe I should, I'm just going to go ask her because I wanted to get the rim light closer. I was a little further away. So I approached her and I was like, hey, can I take your photo? You're, you know, the light's hitting you really nice. And she just gave me this weird look and she's like, no. And I was like, okay. She didn't know I took the photos already that I wanted, so, but, yeah. Oh yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I want to. You have to send me that image if you have it anywhere accessible. I'd love to see it. Uh, I do got that image. That's one of the first few I've or the few images I kept, and I know exactly where it would be. I'll find it and I'll send it to you. Okay. Dope. Dope. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to ask? No, man. That's it. Right. That's it. Perfect. Well, like I said, it was great talking to you. Appreciate it. We finally got Likewise, it. Likewise, man. I do host. Yeah, we chats. got it in just just, yeah, just in time. time. Yeah, you, you probably won't be able to join any group chats in <laughs> for a little while. But, uh, wish you luck with your kid. Yeah, I know. I'm going to try. Congratulations. Keep inviting me because I'm definitely going to try to make a. I'm definitely going to try to make a group chat. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, man. It's going to be it's going to be an exciting journey. Yes, it is. It's a a very well rewarding. It, your life is going to be changed completely. There's no way around it. Uh, yeah, I, I know from experience. So just take it one day at a time. Be very patient. That's the only thing I can tell you. you you're you're not going to be prepared yeah. enough for it. You just just be patient and. You'll get through it, I promise. And you'll get your, your sleep back in a few months. It'll, yeah. It'll get back. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be real tired for the first few months. Yeah. Cool. Well, all right. I do appreciate it. Like I said, this is a great conversation. We got a lot of useful information for those that are listening. couple shameless plugs. Go support the podcast. Hit the donate button if you're feeling a little extra generous over there. Hit the subscribe button. Go to the YouTube. Subscribe and follow on the YouTube channel. That's up. I'm posting videos very frequently. They're not as easy as I thought to make. It's very time consuming. There's not that bad. So I can just imagine your video director creative and all that fun stuff in there. But um, we got Phil Penman. Tokyo Street Photography Workshop in December. Go ahead to his website, philpenman.com. Sign up, grab a spot before they sell out, and learn from one of the best in the industry. What else? Support small businesses. Support Michael Meadows and his business. Everybody needs a marketing team, regardless of how you're trying to sell your photos. Even if it's on an Etsy, you still need some marketing for that. And it's not, I mean, it's super easy if you have someone who's very familiar with that field. So go ahead, hire a marketing team. And that's all I got. So 
Thanks again to all the supporters, the listeners, the followers, and Mike Meadows one more time. Like a Street Photography Collective, I'm Ricky, and everybody have a great day.